This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Welcome to this, an Ask Brothers Rantcast, the great debate. The time of Mesut has come to an end. And for many of us, we take deep breaths, uh, breaths of, of, of finally feeling free from the cage that existed from Mesut Ozil. And for others of us, you know, we, we have a sigh of sorrow at the loss of this, this mercurial talent, people saying he was the one of the greatest players ever to play for Arsenal, that he would have benched Burkamp in his time. And to be honest, guys, on both sides of the conversation, there's probably a certain element of ridiculousness. And like I say, in modern society, the truth probably exists somewhere in the middle. But today we're not going to talk about the middle because today we're having a great debate. Uh, so we welcome back from out in the cold. We haven't podcasted with Manny for so long, such was his disillusion with Arsenal over the Christmas period. But we welcome Manny in, who is going to be debating, I'm going to call it the blue corner. I was going to call it the black corner Manny, but I thought that might come off as racist, but seemed like appropriate at the time when I was thinking about it. But in the blue corner, we've got Manny Riz, uh, and Manny is going to be arguing on the side of negative points for Ozil. And on our right, we've got a first-timer, we're popping his cherry on the Aspros, Ben Wiley, who is going to be talking about the positives of Mesut For those of you who don't follow Ben, at BP Wiley, uh, the reason why Ben's on here is he released a very impassioned video about the pros of Mesut Ozil. Ben, how are you today, mate? Not bad, mate. Thanks for having me on. Manny Riz, how's life, bruv? All good, man. We're getting there. We're getting there, slowly but surely. Oh, guys, we're actually going to set this up. I mean, I'm going to be refereeing. I don't have a whistle, uh, but I can yell stuff into the microphone. That will be my version of a whistle. Um, but just for the viewers, this is the basic uh, kind of structure of how the show is going to go. I put together five questions, five leading questions, hard-hitting questions, you know, from the media monster that I am. Uh, we're basically going to put them back and forth between the two boys. We're going to start off like all good sports games, boys, with a coin flip. Ben, I'm going to get you to call it. Now, what we're going to do is this is going to choose who starts the conversations speaking, and then we're going to alternate. So, Ben, heads or tails, my man? Heads. Should have gone with tails, mate. Tails never fails. Never fails, yeah. It's fucking heads. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Ben, would you like to start the conversation receiving, or would you like to start the conversation on the front foot? I will start on the front foot, I think. Okay. So, again, for the listeners, what we're going to do is we're going to do a maximum of five minutes for the boys each side where they get to talk about the question. They get to dig into the question. Then we're going to cross over to the other one, uh, the opposing opponent, to use opposing twice in one sentence, which is very good English, Max. Well done. Um, But basically, we're going to throw it over to the other guy, and then we're going to have a little bit of a mingle at the end of each question with the two of them. Okay, so, Ben, starting you off on this great journey of Mesut Ozil, I'm interested to know, from your point of view, what is Mesut Ozil's legacy at Arsenal? Well, I'm going to start off with a couple of stats and records and whatnot. So it's probably a complete coincidence 
that having gone nine years without a trophy, Mesut Ozil arrives and we win four in two years. Probably a coincidence. Probably not all, not all for him. 254 games, 44 goals, 77 assists. Uh, on average, a goal or an assist every two games. 737 chances created in then uh, 254 games, which is ridiculous. And of course, the four FA Cups. Fastest player to reach 50 Premier League assists. Most assists in a calendar year. Most consecutive games with an assist. Most chances created in a season and in a game. Highest scoring German and assisting German in the Premier League. So I'd say his legacy is playing a massive part in getting Arsenal back to challenging for major honours. Um, he was a world-class footballer when he arrived, perhaps not so anymore. Um, and due to the turmoil in the last two or three years, um, that's probably going to stick more prominently in people's minds. But I don't think you can forget how good he was between 2014 and 17, especially. Um, staying when, when others left, you know, your Alexis Sanchez, Van Persie in the past, Fabregas in the past, um, but he's the only one that lacks ambition when he stays. Um, and no one really cared about assists before he was the world-class player that he was. So I think he's definitely one of the greatest chance creators that's ever played. And I think that's what should be his legacy now he's left. Mm. Manny Reeds, over to you, my man. Uh, for you, Manny, what is going to be Mesut Ozil's legacy? What is left when Ozil leaves? You know what the phrase is, the talent, you know, without hard work. You know, they, you know, talent, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's Mesut Ozil's legacy. This is a guy that had all the talent in the world, no hard work, no mentality to be great because it takes it takes a lot to be great, Max. It takes a certain level of you know of balls to be great because with greatness comes criticism, with greatness comes expectations, with greatness comes a certain level of, of you know you you get looked at a certain way. Meza Ozil had all the talent in the world, but he never had the mentality. If he had the mentality of a Jordan Henderson. Uh, James Milner, hell, if he had the mentality of a Bukayo Sako or a Gabriel Martinelli, Moise Ozil would be looked at a completely different way. He would be looked at as somebody who went out there and put it all on the line every single time. But can you really say that about Moise Ozil? Can you say that he let his talent do the talking? Or was it his Twitter propaganda that did the talking? Or was it his fans that did the talking for him? Because I'll tell you what, his football did not do the talking. Otherwise, he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't have been as divisive, as divisive as he was. There is no way you can tell me that Meza Ozil went out there and put it all on the line for Arsenal Football Club. He showed no consistency. He rarely showed up when it truly, truly mattered. So Meza Ozil's legacy is you had it all, but you couldn't get out of your own way in order to show us that you really were a great playmaker. So that's his legacy at Arsenal Football Club. All the talent in the world, but no hard work and no mentality to show it. His fans show it more than he did. That's his legacy for me, man. All right, boys. You've got a couple of minutes to sort of go at each other now and, 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 and either rebut each other or pull people's points apart. So, Ben, I guess you get the first, you get the first point of... of uh, 
fucking, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> no, do you know what it is? We knew what we were getting with him to a certain extent. Players with his ability, there's you could reel off hundreds of names, but they haven't got the the determination or the work rate of the Milners and the Hendersons because they're completely different players and they need to do that because they haven't got the ability of the Urzils and Eden Hazard. He was dropped by Mourinho because he didn't work hard enough defensively. This is what happens when you get these cherries on the top of the cake players. You know, they, they are there to do a job. They're not there to run around up and down the pitch. They're there to do you know, make the goals, score the goals, and that's what he was. I agree that he, he sometimes, he definitely wasn't consistent enough. But when we did need him most, on occasion, you know, two FA Cup finals, he'd put in at least nine out of ten performances. The assist for Danny Welbeck when we thought we were going to go on and win the league, I think that was a quite a big moment, the last kick of the game. So he, he's, he has done it. He's not consistent enough, I completely agree. But I think you've just got to think, your Hendersons and your Milners and your Tierneys, they're completely different players to, to Mesut Ozil. See, but I'm not talking about them being different kind of players. I'm talking about their mentality. I'm talking about them wanting to be great. I'm talking about, when you think of a Zidane, when you think of a Ronaldinho, when you think of a Messi, of a Cristiano Ronaldo, they have a certain level of mentality. They go out there and they put it on the line every single time they go out there and they prove that they're number one. When did Mesut Ozil ever go out there and prove that he was better than his teammates? When did he ever stand out as, I'm the guy, I'm going to drive this team forward, I'm going to show my teammates that I'm the one. Mesut Ozil regressed and became as mediocre as his teammates. He never put it on the line and he never showed up enough for Arsenal Football Club. That is, that's, that's, that, that for me is number one because he never showed it. He never showed that he could be greater than his teammates. He never showed that he could be the guy that we wanted him to be. Now, I'm not asking Mr. Ozil to run around and to do all the dirty work, but I'm asking Mr. Ozil, if somebody dispossesses you, then you go after that fucker. If you've been dispossessed by a Jack Cork, you don't let him run away with the ball. But that's exactly what Mr. Ozil used to do every single time. So it's not about running around, but if a Dennis Bergkamp is tackled off the ball, then he's going to go after that guy because you're not going to make me look a fool. And for Ozil, it was all too easy to make him look like a fool because he allowed it to happen time and time again. So it's all well and good saying he was a luxury player and we don't expect luxury players to run around. But luxury players go out there and they show why they are a luxury player, why you pay them the big bucks, why you, why you invest that money and you invest that time on them. And Mesut Ozil never proved that. He never showed that. He became as mediocre as the rest. He never stood out. All right, he became as bad as the rest. So that that's my point. He never was better than. Not never. Definitely not never. 2015-16, he got what, 16 assists before Christmas? He carried that fucking team up until Christmas. It's only we had Olivier Giroud who couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo. It's, see, the thing is, is this is a point that that you know that that really you know vexes me when it comes to the 15 16 season is everybody blames you know Giroud for you know Ozil not getting you know Henri's record but they never blame Giroud for not getting us closer to the title they never talk about his barren run was maybe one of the reasons why we didn't catch up to Leicester they always point to his barren run is why Mesut Ozil didn't get the record why don't we switch the narrative and talk about 
not just Giroud's barren run, but why didn't Ozil score the goals to get us closer to Leicester? Why didn't Walker? Why didn't, you know, Podolsky or, or Alexis Sanchez? Or why didn't those guys step up when we needed them? See, but they always blame Giroud for Ozil not getting the record. But their bigger issue is his barren run didn't get us closer to Leicester. Ozil's barren run didn't get us closer to Leicester either. So let's change the narrative here. Let's, let's, let's not focus on he didn't get the record. He didn't get the record for various reasons. But we didn't get close to Leicester because of that barren run as well. And that's more important than him getting the pesky assist record. We yeah, weren't closer that. to let. We didn't catch this, them. When this is an Ozil them. debate. So that's got to be the narrative. It may, it may be an Ozil debate, but that narrative irritates me because we didn't get to Leicester. We didn't get no, to yeah, the yeah. title. Ozil's record, it, it doesn't mean anything. Arsenal Football Club were in a title race, right? And Ozil's barren run as well. He, did he score goals? He didn't really score goals in that season, did he? He rarely yeah, ever scored goals. goals. A couple. And that summer was a, re- a big reason as to why maybe Ozil didn't work out as he should because we signed him, we signed Sanchez, and then that summer we signed Petr Cech. If we really, if he was to become a great player, like say we we went on to win the league that year, had we made proper signings, I think Ozil definitely, and say Ozil broke the record, I think he definitely would have looked been looked upon as a completely different player now. He would have been a massive part in us winning the league, and we should have won the league. We shouldn't have just signed Petr Cech. We should have probably gone and replaced Giroud to add to Sanchez, to add to Özil. We had Koscielny, Mertesacker was doing all right. So, and that's the point. Well, I'm a big Wenger fan as well, but that's a massive downside to to that summer. We didn't build a team around Sanchez and Özil, and then the next year we finished fifth, and that was it. You're on mute, dickhead. Thank you. I'm not used to being on mute, man. Usually I'm talking over everyone. So this is this is me in my quiet form. But I was just saying there is no doubt that there are arguments on both sides and somewhere in the center exists the truth. I think there's arguments there to say that Apex players shouldn't necessarily be in a team that is fundamentally flawed defensively, shouldn't also have the mandate of carrying that team defensively if they are bringing up the stats mm-hmm. moving forward. And I think on the other side of the coin as well, Manny, you're completely right that an apex player, if you look at David Silvers and you look at top players, um, they do put in the shift and they do work hard. And this is why this debate rages on. And this is why, you know, as Scunny Mike says on our other shows, you know, Arsenal fans are so 50-50, they're so in the middle. Um, but it brings us to our next question, Manny, and you're going to kick off the next question. I think for a start, we have to preface this question. There is no doubt that Mesut Ozil declined. There is no doubt that from what we got, it slowly made its way down the pyramid rather than up the pyramid. But I've got a really simple question for you guys to answer. It might not be simple, but I think it's put in the most simple way. Manny Rees... Mesut Ozil's decline was driven by what or who? Two things. One, he had gotten his contract. Because before that contract, he was putting in, you know, performances that would make the club stand up and go, listen, we need to tie this man down because we're losing Alexis Sanchez. So once he got that amazing, unbelievable contract, the decline began. But really for me, it was... The lack of indulgence from managers after Wenger's departure, because if you really look at it, Wenger was somebody who put his arm around him, 
give him days off when he wanted it, you know, put him out of squads and for certain matches, you wouldn't see Meza Ozil, you know, because Wenger gave him that time and he treated him like the baby that he needed to be treated as. So having, you know, an Emery who came in and, and challenged him or, and the Jumberg that came in and, you know, dropped him for certain games and Arteta that expected certain level of performances from him, his decline, you know, was, was more and more rapid because now you've got managers who are asking him to do more, who are asking him to show consistency in his performances, and he just couldn't be bothered. So for me, those two things go hand in hand because that contract, as we see, is unbelievable. 350k a week, loyalty bonuses to be at the club for a certain amount of time. So it's funny when, you know, when it's said that he stayed when others left, would you really leave if you were on that contract and you had seven million pounds coming to you for just being loyal to your contract? Nah, you wouldn't. So for me, it's a combination of money and that lack of indulgence from an Arsenal Venka type manager that, that, that accelerated his decline. You're on mute. <laughs> Fucking hell, this mute shit's killing me. Um, ben, no doubt that there was a decline in Meza Ozil from the perspective of someone who reveres Meza Ozil and, and naturally cannot delight, deny that there has been a decline. What do you believe yeah. was the reasoning for Meza Ozil's decline? And interestingly, I'll throw a sub-question there. When do you think the decline particularly started? Well, we both agree on this one, funnily enough. Definitely. So up until the contract, I'd, I'd say... I can't remember too many people wanting it, like hounding him out and wanting him to leave. I think with Sanchez going as well, probably eighty-five percent at least were happy that we that we uh, we renewed his contract. That it had to happen. We couldn't lose them both. Um, so definitely the, with the con- with the dip in form after the contract, it's not uncommon. You see it with the Bamiang this season. It, so it, it happens quite regularly. Um, Wenger leaving because I think he wanted he wanted assurance that he was staying when he signed it. He left, didn't see that coming. Um, two months after, you got the World Cup that went all tits up for Germany. Unai Emery comes in, wasn't that respectful towards him. Um, and then obviously you've got a year later, you've got the mugging, the new baby, the pay cut bollocks that's all gone on. So ever since the contract, really, it's been a, a rapid decline. Um, and yeah, probably... Unai Emery coming in really signaled it. That was the main. That's when it started to go sour. I think. Mm. Manny rebuttals, extra points. Yeah, not much of a rebuttal to be honest with you. Um, you both agree on this one. Is, <laughs> funnily enough, we do. See, I believe that you know a manager coming in like a Unai Emery coming in and publicly, you know, chinning him like he did. You would want to respond, right? That's what I believe anyway. You would want to go out there and show, you know what? This guy has chinned me publicly. Let me go out there and show him why I should be in the team. Let me go out and show him why you don't drop me and you don't publicly make a fool out of me. Did Mesut Ozil ever prove Emery any different? Did he go out there and give him a reason as to why you don't drop me? He made it easy for Emery to chin him because he needed somebody to baby him. He didn't want anybody to push him and to drive him. That, that's just the way I see it. But if an Emery comes in and that makes you 
so uncomfortable to the point where you go out there and you show as little of your ability as he did. What does that say about Ozil? What does that say about him? And it's and yeah, Emery is not the is not the only one to publicly chill him. I mean, you heard the quotes from his book, you know, Mourinho calling him a big baby and a coward. And you hear the rumors about, you know, Carlo Ancelotti wanted rid of him because he didn't fit in to what Carlo Ancelotti wanted him to do. It's this is, you know, there's a pattern with managers and Ozil, and it all seems to be around his mentality and his attitude. And when you chin him, he disappears. Well, yeah, if, when you get that response, it can go two ways. You can hide and get a bit pissed off or you can go out and, you know, send a message to him. And I was listening to David Ornstein yesterday and he says, after the Leicester game, when Ozil was incredible, the 4-1 win, he came off and Unai said, no, don't don't let this go to your head. It's, you know, it's just one game, blah, blah. blah. And say you've, you've put in that performance, you've come off and your manager said that, you're going to be like... Well, what do you mean? I've just I've just put in a ten out of ten performance, and you and you're saying that to me. So, and if that happens, then he's probably fair enough that he's gone. Oh, fuck this guy, and he's he's dipped a bit. Yeah, but that what does that say about him? If your manager comes yeah, to no. you and goes, if the manager comes to you and goes, you know what? That was a great performance. Don't let it get to your head. I wanted I want you to do that again. Isn't that the right kind of response from your manager to your star player? Do it again. Show more yeah, consistency. But- I don't think that's so how he would have said it. If you're telling me that that performance and that you know that comment for Una Emery meant that Mesut Ozil said, you know what, forget this, I'm not going to prove it to you. Again, what does that say about his mentality? What does that say about you? Your manager comes to you and goes, don't let it get to your head. Do it again. Show more consistency. And you go ahead and you hide. What does that say about you? Moving on. (laughs) I think this was always, guys, I think this was always going to be the point if there was going to be a point where either sides of the equation came together. I I think this was always going to be the question where both sides of the equations kind of met somewhere in the middle. Like I said at the start, I don't think there's any deniability um, about the fact that there was a mass decline in Mesut Ozil. A couple of things that got sent in, because I popped these questions up on Twitter, so I'll throw the first one to you, Ben. And when I put this question up, uh, one of the responses was, what caused Mesut Ozil's decline? Arsenal caused Mesut Ozil's decline. Um, I just thought I'd get you to respond to that. I know it's a very broad comment that someone has said the club caused Ozil's decline, but it is a common narrative that people believe that we as a club essentially chewed him up, spat him out the back door, and we're responsible for his loss of form, his loss of playing time. Well, we signed him. when we signed him, he was the best. He was a world-class, best number ten in the world, and he just joined a last-day top-four scrap in Arsenal. Just beat Tottenham to the to the Champions League, and then we get given him. And up until February, we we were doing all right. We were putting in a, a title challenge, and obviously it then fell away. So and he, so he's he's as a world-class twenty-four-year-old, he's joined an average team. So you can't expect him to come in and be doing what he does for Real Madrid when you've got Ronaldo, Benzema. Now he's got Podolski and Sonogo. So, yeah, say if he went to a a Chelsea or a Man City who were up at that time, it might be a different story. But we weren't a great team that 
the great players thrive in. Manny, is that the mark of a great player? Is the mark of a great player that you're unable to lift the people around you to a higher level and that you you require 10 world-class players like what you saw in Germany and like what you saw in Real to hide your deficiencies or to do your work for you? Well, of course, he needed other stars, you know, to take away, you know, his time under the microscope. You know, he needed other players to take the blame so that, you know, his deficiencies weren't highlighted so much. Great players don't need other great players. They go out there and they prove it regardless. And when we talk about he didn't have, you know, the, the Benzema's and the, and the Cristiano Ronaldo's, not a lot of teams do. But what he had is a Santi Cazorla at the top of his game and Aaron Ramsey that was coming into his own. He had the pace of Phil Walker, the athleticism of a Welbeck. He had an Alexis Sanchez that was firing on all cylinders. He had a Giroud who wasn't a great striker, but he could maximise the, the abilities and the you know, and the talents that he had. So he had the pieces there. Mesut Ozil regressed into the mediocrity that was around him. He didn't stand out. He wasn't the shining light. Players didn't elevate their game for Mesut Ozil because that's what your presence should do. Players around you should want to perform to your standards. And they didn't because his standards were lower than theirs. So... No, but they did. We finished. We we scraped Champions League. He signs, and we're putting a title challenge. So they did raise their level. They didn't. But how do you go from the twelfth? They didn't raise. They didn't raise their level because it was here. They raised their level because that's we. That's what we wanted of them. So it's the Messi Ozil's presence didn't make these guys great and make them want to perform great because they were doing that. Some of them were doing that before he even got here. Asante Cazorla was playing well before he got here. And Aaron Ramsey was, you know, putting in performances here Ramsey and there. Ramsey wasn't. Ramsey was putting in performances, not consistently, but he was putting in performances here and there that would tell you, you know what, all he needs to do is be a bit more consistent. Alexis Sanchez would have been Alexis Sanchez, whether Meza Ozil was there or not. You know, so can you really say that they, you know, they exceeded their levels because he was there? You can't say that. Because he declined quicker than they did. Ben, was it on the football club at that time to, after buying Sanchez, after buying Ozil, we know that that next purchase was was Petacek and that we struggled for midfielders and we struggled for defenders and we struggled with other average pieces of the puzzle. Final word on this. In your heart of hearts, do you believe that had the, the football club have had more ambition at that time and bought in two top players to surround Mesut Ozil, we would have seen a completely different long-term experience. We would have seen a better team for a start and we would have definitely challenged Leicester much better. Um, and so you put Partey into that team and you put probably Aubameyang into that team and I think we go very close and then we win the league and Ozil was looked at as a completely different person. But it didn't happen. But yeah, we definitely let him down. We let we let Sanchez down. That's why he fucked off because we didn't build on them signings. We only signed Petacek and then Mohamed Elneny in the January. Manny, final word. Anything to say on that? Nothing more to say, man. I, 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 we can we can talk about you know had the club done this, had the club done that. At the end of the day, Mesut Ozil didn't do enough to show that he was you know the great player that people think he was. He didn't do enough. He didn't stand out, you know, he wasn't a shining light. 
you know, and, uh, and Aaron Ramsey took the, you know, took the, the, you know, the spotlight when Ozil came, and then Alexis Sanchez took the spotlight. It was always somebody else before Ozil, and that goes to show you had we had more, you know, star players in the team, Ozil would have been, would have hid behind them, and they would have taken the criticism while he just goes about his business. So, yeah, we move on, mate. Well, it's interesting, Ben, because this does bring us to, I guess, like one of the most hotly contested Twitter topics of 2021, right? And ever since the, I, I guess, the rumours, even prior to that, you know, the rumours of Mezzos are leaving, because there's been rumours of Mezzos are leaving for two years. Um, but particularly once the Fenerbahce rumours started coming up, we started to see on Twitter and we started to see on social media posts about the greatness of Mezzos and where he sits I guess, in the annals of Arsenal's history. And my, my question to you is, and, and I guess there's a couple of different ways of looking at this. You can either look at it purely on footballing ability and, and make your argument around footballing ability, or you can make your argument around output. So it's really up to you what direction you take. But in the ranks of Arsenal's greatest players, where does Mesut Ozil stand? In terms of ability, he's right up there, probably in the top five in terms of pure ability. Um, I'd say he's definitely in the top 100 ever. Um, from the Emirates era, era sorry, um, I'd put him above the likes of Van Persie because one year, 30 goals, and then he had two half seasons from Van Persie. So I think people look at him as he was a world class player for eight years, although he was with us. And he's also pissed off to Man United. So, you know, you've got people that still rate Sanchez, even though he fucked off to United, and Nasri, who fucked off to City. Ozil didn't do that. The haters will probably say no one wanted him. Um, but in the Emirates era, he's probably behind Fabregas, Ramsey, Cazorla, Sanchez, and then it probably comes to Ozil. So fifth or sixth in the Emirates era. I can't say greatest ever. There's too many to count. Um, <laughs> maybe in the top 100, I'll, I'll say that. A very, uh, a very moderate response from a very moderate Ben. Uh, Manny, in the... In- in the terms of greatest players and what we see on social media and people putting up pictures of him standing side by side with Dennis Burkamp, you know, uh, people crying <laughs> that we've lost one of our greatest greatest players in in Arsenal's history. In a in a in a reasonable in a reasonable way, Manny, uh, where do you put him? Try 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 be moderate, like Ben. He's he's, he's being a good sport. Nah, nah, he's not in the conversation. He's not in the conversation. Arsenal greats do not divide opinions. Everyone accepts their position as greats. The only topic of conversation is who you place at the top, not if they deserve to be there or on the list. See, when I think about Arsenal greats, they don't have recognition just at Arsenal. They have recognition by those outside of Arsenal. So we say, and some people say that most others should be in the conversation, but the minimum recognition that you can receive outside of Arsenal Football Club is a Barclays Player of the Month. He's never won that. He was never in a conversation to be Player of the Year or in the Team of the Year for that incredible 15-16 season. And to show you that type of recognition, 
a Fraser Forster one player of the month that season, that 15-16 season. Connor Wickham has um, won a player of the month. So Arsenal greats have earned recognition outside of Arsenal. Ozil hasn't. So how can we put him in the conversation of Arsenal greats? If was Santi Cazorla an Arsenal great? We're not talking about Santi Cazorla, though. We're talking about... It's an, inter- it's an interesting, it's an interesting I question. I don't think Manny. he ever won a player of the month. But we're talking about Mesut Ozil, aren't we? No, we have, to com- we, have to compare, we have to compare apples with apples, Manny. So answer the question. Would I say Santi Cazorla is an Arsenal great? No, he's not. He's not an Arsenal great. He's not. Neither is Mesut Ozil. You cannot put these guys on that pedestal. They haven't shown it. They haven't earned it. How can you put them on the same breath as a Tyrion, as a Burkham, as a Pires? You can't. I'm not. And in the I context, think, and in the context of Mesut Ozil, in the context, but, but I am doing that, but in the context of Mesut Ozil, when he put in that 15-16 season that people say is unbelievable, he never received any recognition for that season. If you put up 19 assists, Max, if you put up those numbers, you are in the discussion. Mesut Ozil wasn't. Outside of Arsenal, he didn't receive any recognition at all. Arsenal greats have. So how can he be in that discussion? He can't. Uh, Manny, well, let's rephrase it back towards something... That's so funny comment from Stan the Man. Let's rephrase it back towards something that Ben actually said because he didn't say that Mesdos was a great. He didn't put him up there with the Tony Adamses and the Rowcastles and the Wrights and, and guys like that. It's the question, but, Max. No, no. Well, I'm going to. It's, it's a broad question. So, as the adjudicator here, I'm able to thin the scope of the question and work within the means that are pasted in front of me for this, this like honor that I have of, of being the judge of this debate. But I'll put this to you, which is more in line with, with what Ben said. Manny, does Mesut Ozil get on the pitch for you in your Emirates? I'm not even going to say 11. I'm going to say squad, 15. Starting nope. 11 and bench. No. Nope. No, at all. No. <laughs> because, I, because, I, because I know what I'm going to get from him. And because I ben, know what I'm going to get from him. Ben, you've got to come back, bro. You've got to come back here. I want to know who's in the squad. I would put an Aaron looking? Ramsey. I would put an Aaron, yeah. an Aaron Ramsey, a Santi Cazorla, you know, yeah. in there before I even put Mesut Ozil. He's not in my squad because I know what I'm going to get from him. I want players in my squad who are going to go out there and who are going to show up 100%. I'm going to go out there and I want players who are going to be who are going to be able to do things that I want from them that they may not want to do, but it's for the good of the team. When has Mesut Ozil ever done something for the good of the team? When has he redefined his role for the good of the team? He hasn't. So that's a player that I don't want anywhere near my squad. So I wouldn't have him in there. It depends what sort of team you're making, really. When we signed him, he was never the player that you're going to get all these things from. He was the number 10. You get him a free role. You get on with it. He, he isn't... You, you want a different sort of team if you're if, if you want... If you want him nowhere near it, it's just a different way of football. I would want a, wanted a free role who can get the sure. ball in the final third and then boom, boom, boom. Sure, but I would want a, I would want a player who is not going to disappear when you put obstacles in front of him. 
because when you put certain players in front of Meza Ozil, it was easy for him to disappear. It was easy for a you know for teams to put him out of games. Just stick somebody on him, just any player. It doesn't matter their ability. It doesn't matter whether they're good enough or not on the ball. Just stick a player on him and see what happens. And Meza Ozil would disappear. He wasn't clever enough to you know go into positions that would allow him to be free. It was easy to mark him out of games. I don't want a player that's going to disappear when things get hard. I don't want a player who's going to get tackled and he's going to allow the player to run away with the ball. I want players who are going to put in the hard yards, who are going to put in the tackles, who are going to put themselves about, who are going to do things for the team, for the good of the team. That's not Meza Ozil. That never will be Meza Ozil, so I don't want him in my team. That's the way I see it. You're mute again. Oh, I'm mute. I'm mute. Oh, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> it's early in the morning here. Like, I, I got up early. Give me a break. Ben, I've got a quick question for you because it goes in line with what Manny is kind of saying. You know, he's looking for hard work. He's looking for dedication. He's looking for moldability. Yeah. Ben, 11 Mesut Ozil's on a pitch versus 11 James Milner's on a pitch. Who wins that game? Goals wins games. James Milner don't score many goals unless he's getting fouled in the penalty box. Let's be real. And I think this is the yeah. overarching argument, Ben, when it comes to... It's interesting seeing the the opposing sides and it's a common narrative that we come back to over and over again and it's this, this concept that you can look for someone to have these attributes and you can ask for someone to have these attributes. But ultimately, teams do require flair players and, and Meza Ozil was that flair player. Guys, I think there's no doubt here that you know, this is a bit more of a sensible approach to Mesut Ozil and we're not going to, we, we intentionally didn't get people on this podcast who were going to come on and say he was greater than Dennis Burkamp, he was greater than Robert Perez. It's interesting to think of things in Emirates era and remove all of those great players from Highbury because I think we've been starved of, of great players throughout the Emirates era as well. Um, we all know my favourite player of all time, so we won't we won't go into that because that would be a whole nother debate show. The next one we'll do debate is Theo Walcott, an Arsenal legend. Oh, no. And I'll, oh, and I'll be, just, and I'll just be fighting for you. Yeah. You just, just watched the game Rockhold, yesterday. Please. How many times was he one on one yesterday? Wide. Wide. <laughs> over the bar. Wide. No, mate. My little boy. Why does this podcast always have to come Christ. back to slagging off Theo Walcott? <laughs> because you, boy, might be setting up to be ripped It's apart, like man. I'm That's the on only you. Walcott fan on the planet, honestly. It's 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 ridiculous. I feel like a Mesut Ozil fan. That's what I feel like. <laughs> cast, cast out. Out on my own. Fighting for a just cause. Um Ben, we'll come to you for the next one because I think this is a really interesting uh, question, a really interesting concept for us to sink our teeth into because it doesn't necessarily look at Mesut's entire career. Uh, it doesn't look at him when he was great after he supposedly wasn't in his decline. You can pick and choose whatever you want for this question. And it is, what is Mesut Ozil's defining contribution to Arsenal Football Club in a purely footballing sense? Can you pick a moment, positive or negative, that defined him on the pitch? Well, given the side of the fence I'm on, I shall be going for a positive. Um, <laughs> I think the amount of chances he created is what he was brought in for. 
and he did it a ridiculously amount of times. Uh, Dennis Bergkamp's the only one that comes close to you know that level of consistency and creating chances. Um, and yeah, Manny will say he didn't work hard enough or have a moan up, but he was brought into the team to do a job of creating goals, making the team tick, make us better going forward. And that's just look, the chances created every game. He was ahead of everyone else. So sometimes they went in, sometimes they didn't, but that's what he was brought in to do. And that's what he, he did do despite maybe not chasing the ball back when he got tackled or not running enough or whatever, but he was brought to, create chances, make goals, and that's what he did every game he played. And do you have a particular moment, Ben? Is there something that sticks out for you as a singular moment in his career that you remember that defined him as that either assist giver or that technician? The Welbeck Leicester goal. I thought, I thought a lot of us thought that's it. We've won the league. We've beaten the league leaders. Last, last kick of the game, needs to get it on point, and he did. Um, and then we just all fell to shit from there. But yeah, that was probably the the highest when we needed him most. Thinking we're going to go on and win the league, that's he, he delivered. Manny Briz, according to Ben, the thing that defines Meza Özil was his assists. His defining moment was standing up and delivering that ball onto Danny Welbeck against Leicester, which is also a defining moment for me because I screamed. Danny ran into the bedroom jumped on top of the bed, jumped on top of my wife and spent the night on the couch. Um, so a defining, <laughs> moment, a defining moment for me as well, boys. But Manny, same thing back to you. Mesut Ozil's defining contribution was what? And can you pick a singular moment that defines him as a football player? I've thought about a lot of moments, but I want to take you guys back to Arsenal's biggest stage since 2006, Baku. <laughs> so I want to build this one up nice and I want to I want to tell you guys a story. Arsenal were facing Chelsea at the Emirates. Unai Emery had one tactic that stood out. He asked Aaron Ramsey, I want you to shackle Jorginho. Because at the time, Mauricio Sarri's, you know, he built his team around Jorginho getting the ball and being the dictator. So Emery said to Ramsey, follow him about. Cut out the passing lanes, be a nuisance, make sure he doesn't get an ounce of space. And we won that game, I believe we won it 2-0. And Aaron Ramsey got a lot of praise because he stuck to his job for the good of the team. Now I want to take you guys to Baku. And Urza was asked, was asked to do that same job. Follow Jorginho around, make sure he doesn't get the ball. Now, Chelsea were ready for this because Kepa was pumping balls downfield. That's the way you bypass this little tactic. Sorry, sorry, learned his lesson. Bypass that tactic, pump the ball forward because eventually Meza Erzo was going to give up the ghost. And he did after 20 minutes. Follow Jorginho around, cut out the passing lanes for 20 minutes. After 20 minutes, he gave up the job and Kepa was getting the ball to Jorginho and he was able to orchestrate, and he was able to do what he does all the time. So after Mesa gave up the ghost, and we ran out 4-1 losers, Ozil's number goes up. I believe it was either Ropey or Willock that was coming on. 
strolls off the pitch like he doesn't give a damn. Strolls off the pitch like he gave it like he gave it his all. Like we're not four one down and they're four nil down at the time and totally embarrassed. Two number tens were were on the pitch during that game. One number ten showed up and embarrassed us and ran out and had lifted that cup while our number ten sat on the bench talking shit and saying Emery is not a coach. Showing the fight off the bench that he should have showed on the pitch. Baku, Meza Ozil's defining moment. Cannot redefine himself for the good of the team and then strolls off the pitch like he did a good job. Thank you very much, you cunt. <laughs> See, this is what annoys me and this is probably why I feel the need to back him up a bit more because every single game, it's his fault. Talk about Baku. Say a Klasenac. Let him finish, Manny. Let him finish. Say a Klasenac. Names the Maitland were by far the worst players on the pitch that day. We had a Bamiang, Lacazette. A Bamiang is the best player, the more important one. Did fuck all. I don't think Urza was told to follow Jorginho around. He was playing left wing. Yes, he was. Think. Yes, he what was. Managers ever told the left winger in a three-five four? He uh, wasn't a left winger to follow Jorginho. I, su- I suggest you watch that game. I well, suggest we a, you rewatch that had, game, Ben. I suggest you rewatch it because I did. Because I we did. A, we had a front three of Urzil, Lacazette. Watch it again, Ben. Watch it again, did, Ben. Did, did we not have again. a front three? Manny, don't make me give you a yellow card. I'll yellow card you. You only get 17 as well. You only get 17 yellow cards on this. I suggest you go back and watch that game. I suggest you go back and watch that game. I haven't watched it. I've not watched it since. Why would I want to Exactly. So maybe well, you should, because I, because in watching that game again, I saw Meza Ozil doing exactly what Aaron Ramsey had done, following Jorginho around. If you well, think back to that game, Kepa was not getting the ball to Jorginho because Meza Ozil was right there behind him every single time. Hence why Kepa was pumping the ball forward for the first 20 minutes and Jorginho barely saw the ball because Ozil was right there following around be in the shadow that Ramsey was at the Emirates. And there is a reason why Jorginho's influence grew in that game because Ozil fell away from the task. Watch it again. I suggest you watch it again. And the reason why I bring up Ozil is because Maitland now and Sead Kalasanak may have had worse games, but they don't have the reputation that Mr. Ozil does. The greatest playmaker in, in, in modern history should be able to stand out. And you're asking me to he? follow Jorginho. No wonder he got sacked. Who fucking tells Meza Ozil to follow Jorginho around a pitch in a cup final? That's because Ramsey really? wasn't available. He wasn't available. So give it to someone else. But that's not his job. It's never been his who? job. Why would you ask who, Ozil? Who else? Who else would have done it? Aubameyang would have done, done a better job defensively. We've seen it this season. He can run up and down the wing a bit when we're defending. Do not give it to Ozil. Come on. You're asking so, to get beat there. No. But the thing is, the thing is, he couldn't redefine himself and he couldn't do a job for the team because that's that would have been for the good of the team. Him shackling Jorginho would have been for the good of the team. Do you think we win that that's game? That's my if point. He, if, he, if he followed him around. We win that game if everybody else shows the fuck up as well. I'm not that- saying I'm not saying that I'm not saying that, you know, he was the only poor player on the pitch and everybody else was great. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying with the reputation that he had. And with the notoriety that he's got, 
he should have influenced that game a whole lot more. Like I said, there were two number 10s on that pitch. One of them showed up and embarrassed us. The other did nothing. Mm, the debate rages on, boys. It definitely rages on. Look, I, I think there's arguments on both sides there, guys. I think there's no doubt that it is an 11 or a 15-man game. It is certainly not a one-man game. And there is managers involved as well with tactics. You could argue that 110 was shackled and 110 wasn't shackled. So is the argument that it's in fact the, you know, whether it was, who the fuck was it, Kante or whoever it was who was marking Ozil or marking that space may have been the derivative that caused that. But regardless, it's clear that we both have different defining moments. Now, I had an interesting idea. Ben, do you have a moment? I'm going to do this to Manny as well, not just you. But do you have a moment that defined Mesut negatively? Don't say Baku. <laughs> um, negatively, probably when he got subs at Palace away. I can't stick up for his reaction, throwing gloves and whatnot. I think that's when he was banished from the team for two months, and then we were shit, so he got brought back in. But I think, yeah, he's done it a couple of times. He gets subbed and he's obviously pissed off and he throws something. So that's probably where hey, it all at, started to go wrong. At, well. least he, at least he didn't lob a captain's armband on the ground, mate. That's the important thing. Manny, back <laughs> to you as well. Uh, just putting you in a different headspace, is there a moment that mm. defined Meza Ozil as a great footballer for you, a moment that you remember? Oh, bloody hell. So hard, um, filled with so much rage and so much hate. <laughs> yeah, man, because I can't because I can't stand the guy, man. But um, I would say I would say the Leicester one as well because I was at that game. I was at that game, and man, the, the emotion, the emotion. It was Valentine's Day as well, man. So what better way to spend a Valentine's Day than to watch that? But um, yeah, I'll go for that moment as well. To provide some balance, I've got two that stick in mind. So on a positive note, Mezzet's first goal for the club against Napoli, one of the most technical side foot volleys, top corner, first touch that I've ever seen. I was so excited to see him. My negative experience with him was another um, Chelsea-Arsenal game, actually. And it was actually, I think it was 2019 when we dominated them for the first half and Mezzet Ozil absolutely smashed them. Uh, they made a change. I can't remember whether it was before the first half, like on 40 minutes, 35 minutes, something like that. And I think they brought Jorginho on and sat him on Mesut Ozil. And Mesut didn't have the technicality or the work rate to be able to to be able to stop that, essentially. And I thought that that was defining of Mesut Ozil, that if you put roadblocks in front of him, he was unable to get out of those roadblocks. He just put his hands up and said, that's me done. But for me, that Napoli goal and that game against Chelsea really, really stick out for me. Manny Riz, we're coming to you for question five. And our, our final question, we've done 50 minutes. I actually think maybe people who were wanting to, to tune in and see fireworks and see people calling each other stupid and telling each other to fuck off like a normal Ask Bros podcast. I think we've actually been able to get out a relatively moderate, relatively intelligent, well-thought-of conversation. I think it goes back to my comments at the start of the show where I said the truth probably exists somewhere in the middle of loving Mesut Ozil and hating him, and it's really just a reflection on society. But, Manny, 
The final question comes to you, and I think this is a this is a strong question. This is a rich question. This is a double rum, you know, just ready to be sat on and, and soothed and sipped down. But Manny, I don't think anyone thinks that we don't know the answer to this question, but I'm interested to hear your justification. Manny, I've just built a time machine, right? I know I'm not smart enough to build a time machine, but I've done it. I made it out of Play-Doh, spaghetti, and a flux capacitor. And we can only go back to January 2013. Before I fuck that up, it's January 2013, we signed Mesut I'm going to go in with it anyway. But we're in my spaghetti and Play-Doh time machine right now, Manny. We're going back to January 2013. Do we still sign Mesut Manny, you're on mute, champion. <laughs> Manny, are you there? Have we lost you? Can you hear me? Yeah, no, oh, yeah, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. You ruined my long-winded so intro and, and spaghetti <laughs> and fucking Play-Doh time machine, but that's oh, fine. Oh, God, I actually missed that. Great. Um <laughs> Manny, it's 2013. It's January. We're in a time machine. I made it of spaghetti and Play-Doh. Are we going back and are we signing Mesut Ozil or are we giving Arsene Wenger a tap on the shoulder and saying, no, 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 mon ami? But it was August, first and foremost. But um, no, no, you don't. September. I go and I address, you know, the issues that we had. You know, you you buy an out-and-out defensive midfielder and you address the defensive issues. That's where I would have gone for. I wouldn't have signed Mezzo at all. I would have avoided that signing. I just, I would have avoided that signing if I had the foresight of what was going to happen. But regardless, I wouldn't have signed another luxury player on top of, you know, a team that had a luxury player in a Ramsey kind of player. So I would have signed, you know, your defensive-minded player to go next to Santi Cazola. And I would have signed your defender that would have, you know, changed the game for us. Your Vincent Company type defender that would have changed the game for us. I wouldn't have gone anywhere near us. No. Ben, same question to you, mate. 2013, do we sign him? Do we not sign him? If we look at his, even if we remove, you know, the, uh, even if we remove the poor part of his career or, or you know, the decline part of the career. And we, we chalk that up to certain things happening. Like you said at the start, there were all these things that came together that possibly caused his decline. Did he do enough for us to negate the desire to go back and not make that signing? Were the positives outweighing the negatives? Up until his contract, I think definitely. Definitely would have signed him again. You look at the... It goes back to... The players we signed after that, like that was the first big signing. We get Sanchez, Welbeck, Elneny, Xhaka, Lucas Perez and Lacazette. That's it. Up until the contract. So, you know, he could have done stuff differently. We definitely could have done stuff differently to make it all a, a better marriage. Um, but the positives up until the contract definitely outweigh the negatives, I think. Um, some of the things he did and he's helped us do helped us massively in the FA Cup wins so you know it might be a complete coincidence that he comes in and we start winning trophies again might not so I I would definitely sign him again maybe not the contract renewal I mean I probably would but for the best of the team maybe not uh, 
Manny Riz, final words, closing statements on Mesut Ozil. Free microphone. Uh, a myth. A complete myth. You know, the last time that I was actually genuinely impressed by Mesut Ozil, you know, from, from minute one until minute 90, 2010 against England. That was the last time... A Real Madrid game the, or something, but... No, that was the last time I sat there and I said to myself, that is a baller, 2010. What I got in front of me was the complete opposite of what I thought I was going to get. September 2014 at Stamford Bridge was when I looked at Mr. Ozil and said, you know what, you're not the guy. He wasn't in that game. He disappeared, weak on the ball, disinterested. And that's the measures that we got time after time after time. When it mattered, he, his knee he wasn't game. there. Benjamin? He did do his that should, be a, that should be a yellow card. That should be a yellow card. Just a, just a 16 more. I don't care. I don't care he did his knee because I've watched so many other fixtures when we've gone away to big teams and, to, you know, when we've gone away to, you know, a team north of the Watford Gap and Meza Ozil was not in the game. There's, 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 there's countless examples, but I'm pointing to that game in particular because that was the game where I looked at him and I said, you know what, you are not the guy. And it was Meza Ozil's... It was his job to prove me wrong. And all of the criticism and all of the things that I've said about Mr. Ozil over the years, he's never proved me wrong. He's always, always proven me right. He's shown to be a luxury player that didn't have the mentality or the balls to be great. So for me, it is good riddance to Mr. Ozil. Like I said before, Arsenal greats are not divisive. Arsenal greats are Arsenal greats, and the only topic of discussion that there is to have is who you have as number one and who you have as number two, not if they deserve to be on the list. So he isn't an Arsenal great. He's not in the conversation, and we should have never gone anywhere near that guy. But that time is done, and we move on. And I hope, and this is to the Mesa Ozil fans, those who have come along and are not Arsenal fans that are Mesa Ozil fans that, that pretend to be Arsenal fans. I hope you've bought your Fenerbahce shirts. <laughs> I hope you bought them I with Mesa Ozil on the back. And I hope you fuck off along with him and don't come here pretending to be Arsenal fans. That, that's I truly, truly hope that. I never want to hear another Mesa Ozil fan talk about Arsenal Football Club that they give a shit about Arsenal Football Club because those fans were happy for Mesut Ozil to do what he did and make the club look a fool. So I hope you got your Fenerbahce shirts. I hope you fucked off to Turkey and good riddance to you bastards. As the more moderate um, personality on the podcast... <laughs> today uh we'd like to give you your right for retort and also i'm just interested to know what your final words are what your final thoughts are the things you think at the end of this saga the emotions you have at the end of this just your overarching overarching feelings towards it now firstly i like the question would manny rather wear an urzel shirt or a spurs shirt manny would you rather wear an urzel shirt or a spurs shirt you have to wear one motherfucker you have to wear one and it has to be in public. I think it's very. I think it's very close. 
Ryan is American, so I'm not going to answer that question. When you guys elected <laughs> Donald Trump to be your president, fuck off. <laughs> ah, bah, 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 no politics. Um, I would definitely yeah. wear a Mesut Ozil shirt. I'm not wearing a scum Ooh. shirt. Like you'd wear a Mesut Ozil shirt, no doubt. I wouldn't feel good about it. I'd be walking around with my head down a little bit, but I wouldn't feel good about it. <laughs> There's another question here from Bearded Gunda. Has Manny always hated Ozil? Did you no. always hate him? Did you no, hate him when we signed him, Manny? When we made I that signing? When we made the signing, were you excited about the signing? Max, I was so fucking excited when we made that signing. Because I watched him here and there for Real Madrid, but obviously La Liga was at the top of my, you know, or my to watch list. But I was super excited because I still had that 2010 performance in my mind. So I couldn't wait to have Meza Ozil in our side. Hell, when a foreign player comes, I always give them a year. The, year, the first year is a buy because you need to acclimatize, you need to learn a new language, all of those things coupled together. That first, that first season, you get a buy. He did okay. He did okay, but um, that first season you get a bite. The second season, I'm like, all right, the shackles are off. Let me see what you got. It was that second season. It was that Champions League fixture that turned it for me. But I didn't always hate Mazzaro's. No, I was super excited for his signing. I, what's your, you wouldn't what's believe your it now. Oh, see, Pepe. I, I dislike Pepe. him a lot. <laughs> I just got, just, for the, just for the record, guys, <laughs> I I just got absolutely mauled on Twitter yesterday. Absolutely more. One of the most fierce Twitter mullings I've ever had because I put up a post saying, because I put up a post saying I thought Pepe was one of the worst three players on the pitch yesterday, despite all these players in the country, despite all these people saying he was absolutely amazing. And it was his best, best game in an Arsenal shirt. And I was like, he, he ran down blind, blind alleys, fell over the ball, was dispossessed nine times. But he scores a goal and apparently is a fucking world beater again. See, I don't I see I don't understand why people can't take other people's opinions on players. You thinking that Pepe was, you know, one of the worst players on the pitch. That's your opinion. Right? Why can't people respect other people's opinions and move on? See, my opinion on Pepe was the first year you get a buy like everybody else. He hasn't done it. He's only showed glimpses of it. He's a he's a he's a good time player, Pepe, which is which what bothers me because he's got all this ability but he doesn't know what to do with it and he only wants to show it when he feels like it a bit like Ozil I think with Ozil you can't really argue with 121 goals and assists in 250 odd games it's not a bad return is it you know he's not it's not like he's come in for all that money he's scored a couple goals assisted a couple and then we've had all this trauma at the end. I think the return has been quite good for the money we spent. I don't understand, like, Dan Potts is another one, the hatred for him. I just don't get it. Like, he winds people up so much. I don't know what, because where it's we, because from. Because I expected more. I when think, I I think of, that's nail on the head, Manny. We all expected so much more when we, when I swim. Mr. Ozil came through those doors I expected 2010 versus England more often than not. And we didn't get that. Meta Ozil flattered to deceive. Like I said, man, there's a reason why he never got the recognition outside of Arsenal because he just didn't do it. He didn't do it enough. Held the Leicester performance, right? And bear in mind, he wasn't great from minute one to minute 90 because, you know, Leicester started the game great. But that cameo, did we see enough of that? 
We didn't, did Ben, no. ben did no, you see enough? Yeah. Probably not. He didn't do it enough. But when he did good. do it, it was ridiculous. Good question for you, it Ben. It was fleeting. Good, good question I've got for you, Ben. When this was finally finished, when the Fenerbahce move was finally made, were you filled with relief or filled with regret? Massive relief because I'm fed up of talking about it, <laughs> even though I'm a big fan. I'm so done with it every game, every week. It's, it's been coming. He hasn't played since he hasn't played in a year almost. So I, I think he deserved a send off game. Definitely. He could have played in January. We didn't have to. <laughs> Seven and a half years, he deserves something. That is an Urzel testimonial match, man. What do you think? What? A, a guard for of honour. <laughs> a testimonial for what? Don't say for that. check and Danny Welbeck got guards of honours. Do they, they deserve that? No. Yeah, that Brighton. I love that guy. At Brighton, but he wasn't. But he wasn't in the team. You know, he got, wasn't anywhere near the team. Danny Welbeck got a little silver cannon for being injured for four and a half years. Like, really? well, maybe he got something. Well, maybe he got something in the background, but obviously because he wasn't in the squad, and they didn't Definitely do not. it publicly. So I, I don't care, man. I, I don't care. He's out the door. But December testimonial game, but please, please, testimonial no, game, not a testimonial, as in he could have been included in the squad for a farewell to the. Team. He wasn't included in the squad and he knew he wasn't going to be included in the squad and he was happy to sit down and earn his loyalty bonus. Would you that's rather, on him, and that's on him. His... Would you rather so have him or Mustafi included in the squad? Because this is what I don't get. Mustafi's played, what, three games this season? And mm-hmm. we've lacked an attacking player? Jesus Christ, both of them can go... Well, oh, both of them go fuck themselves. I wouldn't have it wasn't room in the squad. It wasn't football. But it was a case of... But it was a case of... Listen, we've... Whatever reason he wasn't in the squad, he knew himself that he wasn't going to be in the squad. And he came out and gave that pathetic interview at the Athletic, wanted to be, you know, shown up to be the victim. At the end of the day, if he really wanted to leave and play football, they could have found an agreement with the club and his representatives. It was beneficial for him to stay at the club because that loyalty bonus was going to come. And what did he do when that loyalty bonus came around? I will pay for Gunnosaurus's wages. It was all propaganda at the end of the day, man. He played a part in his demise. He played a part in him sitting on the bench and earning that money. He was happy with that. That contract was unbelievable. And he made sure he was going to squeeze as many pennies as he could out of Arsenal Football Club before he fucked off. It's just that simple. Ben, ben question was, was Mesut Ozil left out of the team in this last year for footballing re- for footballing reasons or for other reasons, in your opinion? Absolutely other reasons. Because if it, if it is footballing reasons, then you've got to ask questions of Arteta, who I like a lot, but come off it, really. It saves 150 it grand was? a week if he's not in the squad. What if it was footballing reasons? There's just no way you put Mustafi in the squad ahead of Mesut Ozil for footballing reasons. When okay, you've got six okay, so... Okay, so let me let me give let me give you this right. Football. Let's let's stick to football in reasons. Six goals and four assists in two seasons. Is that enough to be sat on the bench or not? And bear in mind, you're earning three hundred and fifty k a week. Six goals and four assists. That's the return. 
for sat the last on the 10 bench, minutes. Sat on the bench and out of a squad are, are very different things. Yeah. But it I'm just asking, like, as football, footballing reasons. But I'm saying footballing reasons, six goals and four assists. So do you think that well, merits sitting on the bench when you're on 350k a week? When we're 1-0 down to Burnley with 10 minutes to go, I'd have him on the bench. So six goals and four assists for it doesn't your, matter. Three hundred and fifty. But that, that's, that's the five argument. Goals all season. Would you would you start him every week? Most people do. But Aubameyang has been scoring goals and doing his job since he got here. And this is the first season where he hasn't fully performed. But I'm saying six goals and four assists, and that, that's the footballing reason why he's not on. He's not on the, in the squad. Do you think that is enough to sit on the bench or not be in the squad at all? You have him on the bench because you've got Joe Willock on the bench in place of him and Reece okay. Nelson. You know, you, he can okay. do it. Like we say, he's inconsistent. So he might have scored six goals in two years. The next game he could turn so, up and score a hat-trick. He's inconsistent. So my thing is, my thing is, it's so easy to surpass Mr. Ozil's achievements in the last few years. And Bukayo Saka, who was playing out of position, managed to get more assists in the Premier League than Ozil did in his last two seasons. It's taken Smith for, what, six or seven games to surpass Ozil's, you know, tally for last season. And bear in mind, Ozil had 18 appearances to, to Smith for six or seven in the Premier League. So you may say it may not be footballing reasons, but those numbers for 350k a week, for mercurial talent, for the greatest playmaker in the modern game, <sighs> that doesn't say much, does it? Oh well. Oh well, it's over. <laughs> Thank God. I think the look. I think the interesting thing here is from a a Mesut Özil fan or a, a Mesut Özil apologist is relieved that it's over, and you would think that for someone like me who was the opposite of that and I had my issue with him, you would think that I would also be relieved. But I'm actually going to err on the other side, Ben. I'm going to say that I'm actually filled with regret more than I'm filled with relief at this point. I'm filled with regret over the amount of time spent. I'm filled with regret over the amount of money spent. I'm filled with regret that arguably the most excited I can remember being for a player when when Ozil signed, me being ecstatic that this was a move that we had made that was going to going to drive us forward. It was going to put us back onto the top table. We were going to start eating thick, beautiful steak again, rather than eating gruel from the slops bucket of fourth and getting bailed out of Champions League. And to be honest, I thought that I would feel this huge amount of relief. I thought that I would feel this huge amount of this weight being lifted when Mesut Ozil left. But I don't really. I, I think I regret that we didn't see the best that this player could offer. But that doesn't mean that I don't think that that falls more heavily on the side of the player than it does on the side of the team or it does on the side of the situation. Um, I think for a lot of guys listening today, they might have expected a bit of an explosive debate between a pro Ozil fan and a, and a con Ozil fan. It's not what we've had. Um, and we were happy for this debate to go either way. And I think that this has gone in the way that it probably should when you look at it. When you look at the numbers that he produced when he first arrived, when you look at the decline, when you look at the situation, when you look at the contract, when you look at the entire timeline of Mesut Ozil, when you look at the way that the club didn't help him with signings and he didn't help himself with attitude, output, 
and an ability to change his game to suit the Premier League. I think when you look at the amount of other players who have come into the Premier League who don't have a skerrick of his talent, who have gone on to either be club legends or top players at the clubs over a sustained period of time, there's massive regret around Mesut Ozil. And like I said at the start of this show, the truth probably exists somewhere in the middle between Ozil is a cunt and Ozil was hard done by. So I'm going to finish it with this. Meza Ozil was a hard done by cunt. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us on the Ask Bros. I'm sorry if this didn't plan out the way that you wanted. If you came here for a brawl and that's what you were looking for, maybe next time we need to get two less intelligent contestants on here and really fucking fight it out. But until next time, um, I really, really hope that you enjoyed this format of podcast, a different format of podcast for us. Usually we plan nothing. We do nothing in advance. We actually put some time into this to work it out. And I am going to put this podcast up on the at Ars Brothers Twitter. And we're going to let you, the viewers, decide who won the debate. Now, let me preface this. It's not about whether you like Mesut or not. I want to know who won the debate. Until next time, guys, thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Darren is back tomorrow with the Thursday night live show. Scunny is back the day after that with the Friday arse. Toby has disappeared off the face of the fucking planet and I haven't seen or spoken to him in like three weeks. That's why we haven't been doing Ask Bros OGs, but we'll hopefully I'll drag Toby out of wherever he is. Um, and we'll be back to produce you more Ask Bros content. Ben, thank you so much for coming on. Lovely to chat to you. Manny, you. fuck off. Bye. Bye.